Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. From The Recount, I'm Rena Ninen, and you're listening to The Recount Daily Pod. Today's Thursday, September 16th. What we see in QAnon is more of what we're going to see more and more in the future, which is that cults will perpetuate themselves online. That was author and cult expert Rick Allen Ross talking about how cults work. We'll dig into that a little later on, but first, your morning headlines. We began in Texas, where the Department of Justice has asked for an emergency halt to the enforcement of a recently passed highly controversial abortion law. The law bans abortions after six weeks. It also allows for citizens to file civil lawsuits against anyone who helps a woman terminate her pregnancy after six weeks, even if they travel out of state. The emergency motion is expected to trigger action by the federal district court in Austin. The Department of Justice filing included heartbreaking stories of women and girls who sought abortions out of state, One woman piled her children into a car and drove 15 hours to Kansas. A minor who was raped by a family member had to travel eight hours to Oklahoma. Another woman faces violence from her husband and is attempting to leave the state without him finding out. Next to COVID, the pandemic hit another grim milestone today. One in 500 Americans have now died of the virus. For those 85 and up, that ratio becomes one in 35. Hospitals across the country have been inundated with cases in recent weeks. The largest hospital in Alaska, Providence Alaska Medical Center, is trying to deal with such a large influx that the patients had to start waiting in their cars, sometimes for hours for treatment. Alaska is behind most states in vaccinations, with only 48% of the population receiving the jab. The Food and Drug Administration released new findings on Wednesday in response to Pfizer's request to authorize booster shots for people 16 and up. While the FDA says there are no new serious safety concerns from the booster, the vaccine remains effective, so boosters aren't needed. The report will be reviewed by an outside panel of scientists on Friday. Authorization for the booster, if that's what they decide to do, could come as early as next week. The FDA is still reviewing data for the Moderna booster, and Johnson & Johnson has yet to submit their data. 
We end in Washington, D.C., where six Capitol Police officers are facing disciplinary action related to the January 6th riot. This is according to internal investigation documents obtained by McClatchy. Three of the cases involve officers taking photos with rioters during the event. One of those officers claimed he did it to help identify the rioters. But according to the investigation, that officer didn't get any information about the rioters he posed with and didn't even use his own phone to take the photos. That officer became known as the selfie officer after numerous complaints were filed with federal officials after the riot. In addition to those cases, a special agent in the department's Protective Services Bureau faces disciplinary action due to an allegation of improper dissemination of information. The allegation comes from a friend of the agent's who claims that a week after the riot, the agent told him about a secure location he'd taken lawmakers to during the insurrection. And now to our daily deep dive. Americans' fascination with cults has peaked in recent years. There's a tremendous number of podcasts and documentaries about the phenomenon. But what exactly is a cult? How do they recruit their members? And why are people so attracted to them? Here to help me dig into this is author and cult expert Rick Allen Ross. Hey, Rick, welcome. Thank you, Rena. When I think about cults, I think about the 80s. I think about Waco, Branch Davidian, Compound. What's your definition of a cult? There are three core characteristics that I would say form the nucleus for a definition of a destructive cult. And all definitions intersect these three core elements. One is a leader that has become an object of worship, a totalitarian dictator who has no meaningful accountability and who becomes the defining element and driving force of the group. Second, that the group uses an intense form of indoctrination to gain undue influence over its members. And this is a process of breaking people down, changing them, and then locking them into that changed state of mind in which they're dependent upon the leader to make value judgments. And in large part, their critical thinking has been shut down. And then finally, the leader uses undue influence to exploit and do harm to the members. What are the tactics cults use to lure people in? With many of the people that I have worked with, it would be that at the time they were approached by a destructive cult, things weren't going well. They were experiencing a bad patch in their life. They were in distress and they had the bad luck that a cult or a friend who was in a cult came upon them at that point in their life when they were vulnerable. The recruiter says is, look, we've got a way for you to be happy again. You're unhappy, you're sad, you're in distress. What is it that's bothering you? Uh, What is that uh, key thing that is bringing you down? And then the group will say, we can alleviate that. We can address that. We can give you an escape from your pain. And people who are going through a difficult time will grasp at that. And that is the beginning of that bait and switch con in which what you think you're joining, something to help you, something to make you a better person, something to make the world a better place becomes increasingly distorted. And you begin to realize things are not quite as you expected, but as you become more and more deeply involved, the tentacles of the group wrap around you and it becomes more and more difficult to leave. And I think one of the key elements of that is social isolation within the group. You're in a kind of bubble 
and everyone around you is in the group think. They're reinforcing the leader and what the leader teaches, and you're not getting accurate feedback. You're not getting an alternative perspective, and that kind of clouds your judgment, makes it difficult to understand what's happening, and there's a kind of alternate universe, an alternate reality that you're really encapsulated within. Where do you draw the line? You know, you've got people who love Donald Trump. You know, that's not necessarily a cult. What about QAnon followers? Where do you draw the line at what is a cult and what isn't? Well, I would say you draw the line, for example, with Trump. I would say he's a democratically elected leader. Uh, Jim Jones wasn't elected. Uh, David Koresh wasn't elected. Uh, Keith Raniere wasn't elected. Uh, Donald Trump is was subject to uh, the voters. He was he was voted out. And uh, also he was subject to the courts, uh, to the checks and balances of, of the House of Representatives, the Senate, etc. Uh, cult leaders don't have that kind of accountability. And I would also say that Donald Trump did not brainwash uh, the, his followers. Uh, they were predisposed to support him. They had deep-seated beliefs, religious beliefs, uh, political beliefs that preceded Donald Trump. Ultimately, I would say, though, that QAnon is a destructive cult. And I would say because whoever Q is, whether Q is an individual or a collective, Q has become, for QAnon followers, an object of worship and the the defining element and driving force of the movement. And I would say that QAnon supporters, though they may be predisposed to conspiracy theories and fringe political beliefs, are largely being indoctrinated by those Q drops. It is a very disturbing online cult that is very much a part of what we're seeing now, which is that cults are recruiting online. They're using social media to recruit. They're using PayPal to get money. They're using YouTube for indoctrination. And so what we see in QAnon is more of what we're going to see more and more in the future, which is that cults will perpetuate themselves online. You know, Congresswoman Jackie Spear talks about surviving Jonestown. She was actually a young staffer working for Congressman Leo Ryan. And for people who might not remember, this was the case of Reverend Jim Jones, who had a cult and he had embraced and given fiery speeches on racial equality in America and ends up moving this group from California to the country of Guyana. And it leads to the mass suicide of 918 people, 276 of which were children. It's known as the Jonestown Massacre. They drank cyanide mixed with Kool-Aid. And before they did, California Congressman Leo Ryan came to check on, on them and ends up being killed in the process. Sphere talks openly about that experience and draws parallels to the January 6th insurrection. What's your take on that insurrection? Well, you know, my take, and I met Jackie Spear, we did a show together, uh, Dr. Phil, with Survivors of Jonestown, and uh, it was about her book, about her life. And Jackie Spear is an incredible person, uh, one of the most courageous women I've ever met. What we saw in uh, Jonestown is not the same as what we saw on January 6th. January 6th was really kind of a mishmash of a lot of people. There were QAnon people there. There were militia people there. There were white supremacists. There were just avid Trump supporters. I think they were stirred up. 
I think they were pushed into committing violent acts by the speakers, including Donald Trump. But I don't see them as a unified kind of cult that took on the Capitol, but rather a a co-mingling of disparate groups to do something that we've never seen in American history, which is our own people trashing the Capitol. You talk about American history. Um, There's a book called American Messiahs by Adam Morris, where he looks at these self-appointed prophets and the influence on American religion. And he writes this. He says, it's true that America was shaped by extreme religious movements. Every November, we celebrate the 17th century Puritans who arrived at our shore seeking religious liberty. We tend to forget that these Puritans weren't oppressed because they were religious. They were oppressed because they were fanatics. When you look at America and religion and cults, what's your takeaway? Well, that all religions have splinter groups that can be called cults, whether it's Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, or, or Hinduism. But when we look at the beginnings of American history, and the United States is perhaps the most religious, industrialized Western country today, we see that many of the people that began our country were people that came here because they were, quote, persecuted in Europe, and they came here to exercise religious freedom. And as you say, many people in Europe saw them as fanatics. I think the Quakers, though, coming to the United States were basically peaceful. Uh, The Puritans were quite extreme. I mean, when we think of the Puritans, we sometimes talk about Thanksgiving and we see them in a very rosy way. But when you read about the Salem witch trials, you see another side of the Puritans. So I think that was why the First Amendment became such a big deal and separation of church and state because of the people that came to our country who felt they were being persecuted in Europe and came here to exercise their religious freedom. And so we bent over backwards constitutionally to protect religion. And as a result, we're kind of in a extreme situation today. That is, if you're a cult leader and you want to make money and set up shop and and do well, you probably want to come to the U.S. because here you can be insulated by the First Amendment, protected in a way that you won't be in any other part of the world. You come to the United States, you create a, a religious nonprofit 501c3, you pay no taxes, you pay no property taxes, you are insulated, protected by the First Amendment. It's a pretty good deal. And if you're a cult leader, uh, you at least want to open up a branch here. We'll be right back with Rick Allen Ross on the Recount Daily Pod. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E. is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> awesome. Ooh. 
That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. We're here with Rick Allen Ross, author of the book Cults Inside Out. What's the difference between a cult and religion? Religion typically is not about a living leader who becomes an object of worship being the defining element and driving force of the group. The Pope, for example, he's elected by the College of Cardinals, and he is not the defining element of Christianity uh, any more than uh, rabbis or pastors are the defining element of their places of worship. And typically religion, at least mainstream religion, has democratic governance or some meaningful checks and balances for leadership in which they can be held accountable. It's not about one human being and their needs, their desires, and them being the core, the nucleus of everything in the way that you would see in a personality cult such as uh, Nexium or the Waco Davidians. There have been countless Netflix shows, podcasts, all about cults. Why are Americans so fascinated by cult culture? I think what fascinates everybody is just how crazy, crazy it is. And also, I think the vulnerability of the human mind, the fragility of the human mind. How can our minds be manipulated? And what I often tell people is the hallmark of understanding undue influence is when you see a group of people that are going against their own best interests, but consistently in the best interests of this leader, that is, it typifies undue influence. You've been watching cults in America for a very long time. What's your biggest worry? Well, I, I look at it and I see that the, the groups are expanding, they're proliferating. Quite frankly, it's a business model. You get members, they donate money, they provide free labor, you make money off of free labor. And if you incorporate as a religious nonprofit, you don't even have to pay taxes on, on the income or, or on the property that you develop. And so it's a very successful business model. So what I'm afraid of is what I think is the ultimate expansion of these groups online. And what I would urge uh, the people that run Twitter, that run YouTube, Facebook, that they police their platforms thoroughly because these platforms are being used by very destructive and very harmful groups to hurt people. And I think a lot of times these uh, high-tech companies do not understand who's who and what's what on their platform. There are so many people using their platform. But I think they need to do the necessary due diligence to drill down and find these people and stop them, throw them off their platform, because they can. And if they do, they will save many lives and they will help many families who are hurting. Is there any evidence that social media is helping recruit people into cults? Absolutely. I mean, you go to YouTube, 
for example, this guy, uh, Jamal Latimer, was arrested in an obscure group called Rise of the Moors that uh, believes that their rights supersede the law of our land and the government. And he and his followers were heavily armed and they were just basically parading along a highway. And when Latimer was arrested, what do you think he said? He said, hey, I'm streaming this on YouTube. And basically, I think he just did it as a stunt to get eyeballs on his YouTube channel and increase his subscriber base. And this is what people like this do. They get people, they chum the waters on Facebook, they they chum the waters on Twitter, uh, they go to Reddit, and they look for people who are vulnerable, who are in depression, and they grab onto people and they recruit them. And then the next thing you know, they're saying, okay, you need to watch these videos on YouTube. And I've been involved in interventions where the family said, I had no idea that my husband, my son, my daughter was recruited while they were online in my home. And that they were being indoctrinated while I was at work when they were watching one video after another on YouTube. And so this is the way of the modern world. This is the new incarnation of cults, is that they're online. You have one woman, Teal Swan, for example, who's quite a celebrity online. And she has hundreds of thousands of followers that she never meets. And she suggests to them that her belief in reincarnation is the basis for possibly committing suicide. She said, because suicide, if you believe in reincarnation, is like pressing the reset button. She actually tells that to her followers. And so people hurt themselves. And uh, there have been suicides associated with online groups. So I think this is the wave of the future. It's happening now, and it's going to happen more and more. And I just wish that people that, uh, that run Facebook, Twitter, and the YouTube platform, and for that matter, PayPal, uh, where people are moving money to these people online, if they would police their platforms more thoroughly and understand the damage that is being done. The book is called Cults Inside Out. Rick Allen Ross. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Rena. It's been a pleasure. And now to the look ahead. Here's what else we're watching today. President Biden will meet with business leaders from Disney, Microsoft, Walgreens, and other corporations to discuss vaccine mandates. The meeting is part of the administration's efforts to convince businesses to make shots mandatory for employees. For all the record-breaking fanatics listening, the Guinness Book of World Records 2022 is out today. It's the 67th edition since the book started publishing in 1955. Since then, over 130 million copies have been sold in over 100 countries worldwide. Today is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It's the holiest day of the year in the Jewish faith. It's observed with a 25-hour fast starting at sundown the night before. To our Jewish listeners, Gamar Hatimatova, we wish you an easy and meaningful fast. I know on Fridays we're usually off, but tomorrow we've got a bonus episode. Hope to see you back. Have a great day. This is the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. Our thanks to Rick Allen Ross for being on the show. If you like this episode, I hope you'll subscribe to the Recount Daily Pod. 
and leave us a rating on the Apple Podcast app. I'm your host, Rena Ninen, Alexis Ramdow, and Corey Wara engineered and produced this podcast. Ariella Martin also produced. Fonda Mwangi did the research, and our executive producer is Laura Beatty. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.